there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party and Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going really well. I think that we're finally kind of over the hurdle of the beginning of the season, all yep. the excitement, the honeymoon. And so I'm happy to kind of be into the meat of the season, be able to have topics that we discuss that we like to talk about and kind of more creative stuff. Yes, this is when the, this when the creative juices start to flow for sure. We got a fun one though. Today we're talking about a lot of news and then diving into some hop-ups. Before we do any of that though, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to our YouTube channel, The Third Party Podcast, and stop by our weekly stream 4 to 6 p.m. PST. If you're interested in two extra podcasts a month and tons of other exclusive benefits, join our Patreon with the link in the description below. If you're interested, it would really help us to continue doing this incredibly fun podcast. Before we do everything else, though, let's read off some five-star reviews. First review is coming from Simly. It's not just the best Apex Legends podcast, it's the best podcast, period. Woo! I got into Apex in late season seven, so around a couple months ago, and found the pod about a week after, just searching Apex Legends podcast. And when I found it, I fell in love. You guys do a great job hosting. You both really know your stuff. After listening to the podcast, I found Caustic as my main, and I'm happy to say I have 140 kills on him. Great podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. Much appreciated. This is a good one for you. We got a lot of Caustic talk on the show today. Next five star coming from Toby. Found your podcast recently when I went back to Apex, and it helped me so much. You guys give out such so much amazing advice, and your episodes are full of great content. Keep up the awesome work. Thanks again from Toby in Nottingham, England. Did I nail that pronunciation? I think you killed it. I hope so. Thanks so much, Toby. That's a great review. Uh, I've been trying really hard to play with a lot of patrons Mm -hmm. recently because that's one of the benefits. And uh, I've found that we have people all over the world that are listening. And so I can time up my gaming session so that I can play all day and all night (laughs) because there's somebody always on. Mm -hmm. I love it. Now to talk about some announcements. The first is... Um, maybe you follow us on social media. Maybe you enjoy the clips. If you'd like to be featured and you have a, an awesome squad wipe or mm-hmm. a great dub that you, you have a clip of Apex, feel free to submit it in the Dropbox in the link in our description or through the link on any of our social media platforms. We'd love to, to feature you. It's definitely worth a shot to, to drop a cool clip. Uh, there's a couple different like criteria, like mm-hmm. no face cam, no music, no crazy frames, uh, just a clean, uncropped clip will do just fine. It'd be perfect. Next kind of big announcement. We have brought on some people to help out with the social media and some manager positions. You want to give a little shout out here? This is a huge deal. We're very, very excited. Uh, we've brought on Sammy Boy and Abba Lama to manage our Instagram and TikTok respectively. Um, These are pretty big tasks. Um, We kind of go pretty hard on the social media. Uh, That kind of is what puts us apart from other podcasts we've Mm -hmm. found. Uh, So this is a huge role. Definitely head over to those platforms, give them some love, give them a comment, give them a message. Mm -hmm. Um, It would definitely be worth it. And we'd really appreciate it. Definitely. All in the description as always. Next. Last month was insane for Shay and I in the podcast. Um, the Patreon support uh, went up by like 40, 50% in one month. 
and it was the shortest month of the year. So February was pretty crazy. And as one of our benefits, we'd like to give a little shout out to our Jump Masters and above on Patreon. And last month, we welcomed a couple Jump Masters, and these are them. Jeffrey, Brian, Joshua, Achmane, Mike, and Kevin. Thanks so much, guys. And then at the Predator level, we got Corey and James new to the team, and Topaz, as always, we appreciate all three of you for your amazing support as well. The support's just been epic. It's been incredible. It allows us to do so much fun stuff and have so many cool ideas, uh, kind of for like the future of the podcast, streams, and all this kind of fun stuff that we really want to explore in the future. With all that out of the way, though, we're going to now dive into some news. First piece of news, Apex Legends is officially making its debut on Nintendo Switch on March 9th, along with a limited time Pathfinder skin to Nintendo Switch players. Switch is finally here. Got any big thoughts? I'm excited. Uh, We're doing some fun stuff uh, with the Switch. We'll definitely be covering it. Uh, We're actually going to go on another podcast to talk about it as Mm -hmm. well. I think the Pathfinder skin is awesome, and they're doing a lot of cool stuff to make it so that people are excited to give Switch a shot. Yeah, the Pathfinder skin looks great. It's called Path, but then abbreviated P-A-T-H, and just a nice little recognition of what everybody actually refers to the the robot in the short as. Next piece of news, we got the Caustic Town Takeover teasers. We had Teaser 1 come out on February 22nd. Caustic was shown walking and stopping at an overlook area near crash site on the game loading screen. In game at this location, then players can then uh, play a voice message from Caustic that says, The erupted gas pockets and fuel have combined to create a gargantuan supply of toxins. If there's a way to refine it, I could mold it into something spectacular. Then we had the second teaser come out on February 25th. Another change on the Caustic loading screen. Another in-game voice message from Caustic saying, The best way to test this would be human subjects. Luckily, there's an ample supply of lab rats right here. We're getting a little dark there. Extremely dark. (laughs) Then we have teaser three on February 27th. Another new voice message saying, the water treatment facility will not purify this toxic spill. If I could convince them that I could handle it, well, that would open them some real possibilities. And then last but not least, teaser four on May 1st, a new sign at water treatment reads, Water treatment is under new management. Oh, man. We got some evil stuff. I mean, this is some seriously dark stuff brewing. It kind of like brings us back to this whole concept of Caustic is a pretty uh, messed up character and has some dark thoughts in it and was kind of uh, overshadowed by Revenant here for a while. And so we're kind of going and echoing back now to our villain Caustic, very much teasing that this town takeover is going to take place at water treatment. It could be really cool. Do you have any thoughts just on the overall style of the Caustic town takeover in that location? Well, I think it's going to be the largest town takeover we've ever seen. I think Trials is quite large, but the playable space, I think, will be larger here. Have we ever taken over like a major POI before? Not a named POI. Wow. Yeah, that there, there could be a lot then. This could be really interesting. Yeah, I'm quite excited about it. I think the space has a lot of opportunities. I'm curious on how much they're going to reskin mm-hmm. that POI, if it's going to be completely demolished. But I totally understand the story behind it, that Caustic's taking over this water treatment facility to do something devious. What I really love about these teasers and their connection is that the story is coming together so well. Yep. Like, if you're saying that 
Caustic was always due for a town takeover. I'm not 100% sure that they always knew they were going to crash the ship at mm-hmm, this area and mm-hmm. do this and that and the other thing. So if I don't know, I, they probably had the plan for the last year or so, but I feel like it just is such a smooth transition that we have this fuel leak. Caustic's got a plan. He's then working in the background in order to get this special access. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's great storytelling. I'm also excited to see what the collection event skins look like. They could be absolutely amazing with the whole theme of caustic, toxic gas kind yeah. of thing. Like we get some really cool stuff. Uh, in fact, a listing by Target may have leaked the name of the next event as Chaos Theory via Bias12 on Twitter. Chaos Theory, I think that just kind of sums up what caustic is right now in the community. And that is chaos in of itself. Yeah, I think that name uh, could definitely fit. Yeah. Next piece of news, massive uptick in Twitch viewership for Apex, a 53% increase in viewership this season, as well as concurrent players on Steam hitting a new high of 196,799 players on Steam, on PC. Apex is seeing some serious growth this season. Do you have anything to maybe say like why season eight is rising in popularity so much? I think it's staggering. It's big. Next week we have Switch, which Mm -hmm. I'm quite hopeful for. I think that it's going to drive a lot of uh, new viewership, new players. But my only theory is, I guess the question that you're asking is, is season eight the peak of Apex? Mm -hmm. Is it the best season yet? I, I don't know. I think it's quite a good season. But what I do think is that They've promoted this season quite well. Yes. I think for the first time we've seen these kind of live action trailers. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been going increasingly uh, hard on social media platforms. I think they've been doing a lot more paid outreach. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the success this season is just a testament to the marketing team that they did a really good job selling Apex. Yeah, it's awesome because... This kind of relates into our next piece of news, and so maybe I won't spoil it, and you can maybe drop the connection for the people. So next piece of news is we have the upcoming 8.1 patch notes, which have been confirmed to be greater than 3,000 words. So you may be asking, why does that matter? Uh, Season 5, we had 2,239 words. Season 6, 2,544 words. Season 7, 3,335 words. And then Season 8, coming in at 1500 words yeah pretty pretty crazy uh a those differences um but i think the first thing to point out is that 8.1 the big you know at big patch at the split Mm -hmm. will have more than twice the words as the season launch patch that's crazy which that's kind of insane because a lot of stuff happens at the big season release you have a new legend you might have a new weapon, mm-hmm. both of which we had this season, as well as map changes. Yep. And so to say that we're going to have twice the content, potentially the same, if not around the same as we had in season seven, when we had a whole new map mm-hmm. to introduce, um, there's going to be some epic changes to the game coming really soon. And we heard all these rumors of this got pushed back. This got pushed back and this got pushed back. And so we kind of have some ideas of what we might see. But the fact that it seems like a large portion is going to be balancing in some way, because that's kind of where you fill in the blanks around the new legend, new guns, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We could be in for a long third party episode, a lot of reading and hopefully some drastic switch ups to the game that are for the better, if that's how it goes. 
Yeah, I'm really, I'm really shocked and really excited. We now do know that Revenant will not be getting a huge rework. Yes. There might be some tweaks, but mm-hmm. nothing massive on that front. But I can only dream about really what's going to happen. Like, this is not just changes to the gun shield. No. Like, this is a lot of stuff, major overhauls. Let's talk about some of the stuff we might actually see in this patch, whether it be through social media, you know, Reddit, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Just kind of like pointing towards signs of which we've heard devs say things. First of which being potentially some Mastiff changes. In response to the fact that the patch notes were going to be greater than 3,000 words, someone on Twitter responded to this by saying, we're aware of the current meta of Mastiff Legends and are going to make further adjustments. So... Please let a version of this be in there. Kind of like the sarcastic tone this person was taking. Uh, This was then responded to by producer Josh Medina with that beloved double eye emoji hinting at maybe some massive changes could be coming this patch. It's obviously a very decisive weapon right now in the game and there's a lot of opinions here and there about it. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of changes maybe we get. I think the the massive discussion is really awesome. Like, I think the Mastiff's a real hit or miss weapon. I think that it should be. Um, but what's crazy is that in season seven, they nerfed it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it just is kind of climbing in that that frustration that maybe this weapon is uh, overpowered. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you from experience, you got to be up in somebody's grill to be effective with the Mastiff. And so I don't know. I'm curious to see what they do. You know, it. I think... They've done as much as they can kind of tweaking numbers, really. Yeah. So I wonder if this is like a clip size reduction, if it's like a pellet reduction, like a big, big It'd have change. to be a big change at this point. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance we see a change just to the care package? Maybe we didn't get one at the beginning of this last season. Maybe that's something that goes into this huge patch notes, Peacekeeper, Mastiff. Maybe if that's something we have to mess around with, like that'd be kind of weird, but it's an idea. I would welcome changes to the care package, but if they flip-flop the PK mm-hmm. and the Mastiff again, I think that's incredibly unlikely just because of the idea of the choke. But who knows? It, it could happen. Yeah. You're right. You're, it could happen. Next piece of news. Caustic nerf of some sort is incoming, according to Daniel Klein on Reddit. And we're going to set the stage, read his full comment, because there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. This is very interesting. So December 1st, Caustic was at 4.8% trios win rate across all skills and across casual and ranked. With the mid-December patch, he went up to 5.0-5.1. It's noisy, which was decent. I hadn't seen that climb yet when I made a comment early January that he was weak. I had the 4.8% win rate in mind, plus he also had the lowest encounter win rate at the time. Since then, he's been climbing steadily. Current data is very noisy. Not sure what's going on. All the legends are oscillating a lot in the data from the last couple of days. But let's say he's at an average of 5.3 to 5.4% win rate right now, which is high. His pick rate has also been a solid middle of the pack one. But with the introduction of Fuse and the Wraith nerf shaking pick rates up a bit, Wraith went from the highest where she's been for pretty much all of Apex existence to fourth highest. Caustic now sports the fifth highest pick rate as well. He's not suddenly super strong. He's been building steadily from the middle of December last year and has now arrived at super strong. We'll take a swing at nerfing him next patch and see where that puts him. Again, Caustic, a fascinating case. It's cool to see like gradual growth because that kind of 
that means there's some other variable, whether it is just like we always talk about social media influence, uh, kind of pushing people to maybe play this legend and learn how to dive into more depth. Uh, map changes, maybe altering things, overall play style and gameplay style. Just like there is something else because there was not drastic changes made to Caustic that signified that he needed to be played more and buffed. Yeah, this is not a case like Bloodhound where there is intentional attention given to this legend over time for a year in order to bring them up. Caustic got a pretty sizable change in Season 5, not slowing teammates Mm -hmm. in the gas, and then a slight change in Season 7 to kind kind of make it so that Overall, it was hard to tell if it was a buffer or nerf, essentially. Yeah. A little more damage. But, but now they're shot shootable. Like. Yeah, and there is a less slow. So very interesting case. We want cost to be playable. We want the gas to be scary. The idea of a frustrating death is, I think, what we mm-hmm. always come back to when we're thinking about balancing a legend like Caustic. But I also think so, so tough because I feel like such of the, so much of this is driven by public opinion. And we're talking fractions of a percent yep. difference mm-hmm. in pick rate, win rate, things like that. Like if the top couple percent of players, the best of the best, start playing caustic and in, and increase the win rate by 10%, that's going to have a huge impact on that overall metric that Daniel's saying increased by 0.3%. Mm-hmm. And that's what it happened. So I don't know. Do you clap? Do you clap down on Caustic, especially now that he's in my range of where I want to pay attention to that top five pick rate? Mm-hmm. But you also want to look at consistency. Mm-hmm. And Caustic hasn't been there very long. And normally they're in the middle of the pack. So I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm the strongest believer, data say it or not, that the map just completely alters legends and who is effective and such and so balancing is an impossible task when every month and a half you're switching the main ranked map which is where people get frustrated and that's where people voice their concerns and everyone bases the meta off of that like certain comps just aren't the same on olympus as they are on king's canyon for a lot of reasons and so i'm interested to see what they do it's i think a very tough issue to crack uh, next piece of news, though, locked and loaded potentially becoming a permanent mode. So on Reddit, the user by the name of U underscore Blitz uh, said locked and loaded was the best takeover this game had. It will be hard to play the base game without it, but I hope that Respawn considers this being the norm for casual play. Senior game designer Daniel Klein then responds to this by saying, we are considering carefully. No conclusion has been reached yet. I'm personally a little worried about shortening the loot loop by removing gray loot. Other than that, though, it seems like all upside. And so there's definitely some positivity behind the concept of making locked and loaded permanent. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm eager to see what happens. I also like the phrase loop loop. Mm-hmm. So it was I'm hard. It's hard to, to say, say that. Yeah. I'm going to continue to bring that into my vocabulary. That's one we'll have to we'll have to get the actual definition on and be sure to talk about in the future. Uh, but yeah, that'd be a drastic change to the game. And if it ever comes permanent, you guys can guarantee you'll hear a full episode on that one. Next piece of news updates on the Titanfall gun, the car and its future in Apex Legends. In response to someone on Twitter asking if the car will be coming into the Apex game soon, Daniel Klein responded by saying, sorry, nothing planned in the immediate future. There sure are some car fans here at Respawn as well, though. I think you'll like what weapons the team is making. Some very cool stuff. 
And this is kind of interesting concept because this is something Henry and I talk about a lot and they're now kind of in the frame of having to make their own unique weapons for the first time since the start of the game. And so seeing what they come out with in the future is going to be interesting. Seeing how they balance the loot pool and that loot loop is going to be really interesting as well from a quantity of guns. It really is. And I would say that they did a really fine job with the 3030. Mm-hmm. Like really great new IP. It's a great look, great feel, fits into the game quite well, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to see what they're cooking up. But yeah, in the past, we've been pretty uh, pretty cautious to demand new weapons yep. because we weren't sure that was the best direction for the game. It seems like it's in the works. Yeah. Next piece of news, EA says Respawn has taken full control of Titanfall 3. When asked if they would work on Titanfall 3 given the chance via Twitter, game director Chad Grenier responded by saying, Yes, love Titanfall 2. Campaign was a blast creating. I think there's a lot of people who would love a sequel or never experienced 1 and 2. I love Apex 2 though and it's still growing strong. Who knows what the future will hold. This is kind of the first time EA has addressed uh, Titanfall 3 and just stating that it's in Respawn's hands. They have the ability to make it if they want to. Full control and there's some positive vibes around the concept. Um, by people that are very important to the creation of what it would probably end up being. And so uh, there's hope for all our Titanfall fans out there. I can tell you, we would be thrilled. We would be thrilled. Maybe another podcast would happen. It could (laughs) very likely happen. I I can tell you that Titanfall 3 probably won't come out until a long time from now. Long time. So don't hold your breath. Stay focused. Apex all day. Yes, these are not rumors that it's in development or anything like that. It's a long ways away. Last piece of news. Over the last two weeks, there's been a ton of server maintenance and work on bugs to improve lots of aspects of the game, including audio and some other fun stuff. Yesterday was announced as well that there were some more bug fixes coming to the game, including removing ring-ending locations over Mirage Voyage in Kings Canyon, further fixing login issues, and fixing a melee exploit that was allowing players to rapidly melee just some fun, good stuff, but I did think the uh, ending shrinks over Mirage Voyage and King's Canyon was kind of fun because I actually enjoyed those shrinks as kind of fun and annoying as they could be. People got upset, but people need to be serving, uh, scanning the beacons. Exactly. I'm then telling they you, know. it's a big mm-hmm. lesson in life. Mm-hmm. You get a shrink there. I was fine. I won <laughs> games at Mirage Voyage because I was there first. So It's great. It's kind of a fun time, but yeah, we will not have any more of that in the future. It's that, a good thing. Yeah, that wraps up the news. Uh, now we're going to talk about the hop-ups and the best hop-up right now in Apex Legends. With the introduction of Season 8, and, and along with that, explosive holds. Big deal. As well as increased loot rarity, specifically on King's Canyon, the weapon power pool has drastically been shifted higher. Mm-hmm. Now, throughout the years, we've had a variety of powerful hop-ups. Uh, currently, the hop-ups uh, that have been vaulted and are not in rotation are the Precision Choke, the Select Fire Receiver, and Disruptor Rounds. All favorites. Seriously, all goats. The Select Fire was obviously a big-time favorite here at the third party because of its attachment to the Prowler. Uh, But of course, uh, the limited presence of the Disruptor Rounds in Season 2 was quite profound. Yes. Uh, Out of these hop-ups that are no longer in the loot pool, the Precision Choke is now built into the Triple Take as well as the Care-Packed Peacekeeper. And the Select Fire is built into the Care-Packaged Prowler, but not the Havoc on the ground. And obviously the disruptor rounds are no more. 
bring back the select fire on the havoc please love it yeah it is quite kind of a, a shame that uh the havoc was mistreated and that the triple take got a massive buff having yes. that choke mm-hmm. uh, built into it but the havoc doesn't have that that alternate fire mode so kind of a shame but that's kind of what's happened with uh with the hop-ups of yesterday yes but now what's left so we have the epic or the purple hop-ups in the game. We have the quick draw holster and the hammer point rounds. We have discussed the quick draw in a previous episode back in season seven, and we're really excited to have a discussion about secondaries and pistols and the hammer point very soon. Yeah, I mean, we're going to go into it in depth and we have a lot more to talk about, but I will just give my quick two cents in saying hammer point is one of my favorite hop-ups in the game. P20 hammer point is just an absolutely fantastic gun to use uh, from an effectiveness standpoint, in my opinion, and just from an entertainment perspective. Like it's just a great mechanic in this game. And I think with the anniversary event, a lot of people have been using that Mozambique yeah. and mm-hmm. liking the hammer point a little bit, trying to do the challenge for the anniversary, yep. but also seeing that, man, this thing's a, it's a one shot. They don't have armor. It's no joke. It's pretty good. Um, but now, Throughout the last year of Apex, there have been five or six hop-ups in rotation at any point. But in Season 8, it is the very first time the legendary or gold hop-ups outnumber the purple hop-ups. Crazy. It's quite interesting. It really is. So right now the lineup for the legendary hop-ups are the Skullpiercer Rifling for the Longbow and Wingman, the Anvil Receiver for the R301 and Flatline, and the Turbocharger for the Havoc and the Devotion. And now the question today is, which is the greatest? Great question. And this is obviously personal preference, mm-hmm. okay? If somebody asks you, which is the best hop-up and your favorite weapon is the wingman, it's very easy to then say the school piercer is the best. That's why we don't go around ranking the weapons either in general, because there is so very much hard. personal preference involved. Very hard. Uh, but if we dissect the impact of the hop-ups to identify the ones with the largest power increase to the base weapon, as well as which ones give the weapon the most drastic shift in utility, Uh, we're hoping that we can find the best overall hop-up. And this is kind of echoing our continued uh, mantra that utility equals power in a battle royale. And there's a variety of ways to achieve the strength of versatility through legends, weapons, drop location, consumables, etc., But today we're talking hop-ups and how maybe some can give more utility than others. We're going to kick it off with the Skullpiercer. And this is a classic. We've had this for a long time. Mm -hmm. It increases the headshot multiplier. It is a gold hop-up now, so people get quite excited about it. Used to Um, be the good old days of purple, 12 in the clip on the wingman, massive damage. All the nostalgia just comes rushing back when I hear the word skull piercer. We've come a, a long way. And when the skull piercer made a big comeback in season five, it didn't come back as it used to be. Uh, it was severely nerfed um, when it came back, but it still came back as gold, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is kind of a shock. But let's see how it works on the wingman and a longbow. First, the wingman. So essentially, it increases the headshot multiplier from normally two times to 2.25 times. So two and a quarter. And what this does damage-wise on a normal hitbox legend is it increases the headshot from 90 to 101 damage. Mm Kind of cool. Touching the triple digits for Mm -hmm. one shot definitely gets you hyped. Um, But what's the time to kill impact of this? And the 
fact is none if you're in a 1v1. Um, if you only hit headshots, it does reduce the shots to kill uh, uh, to kill a purple armor, normal hitbox enemy from three to two. So if you just hit back-to-back headshots, great. It's a two-shot. But we can't say that is at all meaningful. For the so, majority of our audience, for the majority of players, anyone. like, yes, maybe you, uh, Ace, if you're listening to this, uh, we're probably not talking about you. You're a savage man. Keep grinding. But for Henry and I, and for a large majority of the Apex audience, a large majority, uh, back-to-back headshots on the wingman is not a consistent feat that you're going to be doing every time you pick up that gun. Yeah, but what if you hit one headshot, and then the rest of the shots you hit in the body, then does the skull piercer impact your shots to kill, and subsequently, your time to kill? No. Sad. It is quite sad, because essentially, if you hit one headshot, two to the chest, that's 90, 45, 45 for 180. Meaning that it still takes more than three body shots for you to knock an enemy after you hit a headshot. Mm. So it's still four shots, mm-hmm. which is 50% accuracy if you have a purple mag, including the headshot. Very, very hard. If you have the skull piercer, it then bumps up that three shot damage with one in the head to 191. But that's not 200, mm-hmm. so it doesn't actually make a significant impact on the weapon. And that 10 damage extra per headshot is very, very limited in its power. Yeah, I mean, the Skull Piercer, it's just a, it's a headshot-oriented hop-up, and it's hard to count on headshots. It really is, and it's hard to count on headshots, and so I think it's hard to have a gold hop-up here that doesn't quite have a huge impact on the normal game. Uh, but then also, when you do get it, it's not a very meaningful difference. Mm-hmm. Like, it really doesn't impact how the weapon's going to feel, for the most part. Does it change on the longbow? Little bit. The multiplier, when you have the skull piercer, goes up to two and a half times from a base of two times for a headshot. And damage that's 110 base with the skull piercer goes up to 138. That's quite quite a headshot. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that that rivals what a fully choked triple take is. So it's like this is a sniper with a gold hop up. The headshot now does the same as a choked base triple take. Triple Very interesting. Very interesting. Don't sleep on the triple take. But does the skull piercer change the time to kill? Again, no. Um, it still is going to take three shots, even if you hit one in the head. Um, and with the skull piercer, that that's not changed. Um, but what about in the early to mid game where there's blue armor? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one situation where the skull piercer has a strength only with the longbow. If you hit a headshot and you have a skull piercer, it then becomes a two shot kill if you follow it up with a body shot and they have blue armor. So middle game, longbow, skull mm-hmm. piercer, pretty good option in the, in the sniper category. But those are the strengths. Of the skull piercer. That's a pretty unique situation to be in, finding that longbow and skull piercer off the drop and then hopefully running into a team where they only got common or blue as well. Big facts. So now the anvil receiver. Coming back into the game this season, what it does is it increases the semi-automatic damage, but the single fire uses two ammo per shot and the fire rate is reduced. Now, this goes on the R301 and the flatline. First, how does it impact the R301? Normally, body damage on the R3 is 14. If you have the anvil, that goes up to 35. Massive increase. 
Now the shots to kill without the anvil are 15. With the anvil receiver, it's down to six. So you have to hit six shots in order to knock someone with purple armor. But remember, that's gonna take twice the bullets. So it really takes 12 out of your clip. Mm-hmm. Give, with that in mind, it's changing the accuracy requirement at range from 53% accuracy down to 43% accurate, uh, which is quite good. Mm-hmm. Flatline, body damage, 19, big heavy hitter without the receiver. With the receiver, that's kicked up to 43. Almost what the wingman does. Mm-hmm. So it packs quite the punch. Um, shots to kill without the receiver is 11 to knock some of purple armor um, with five or 10 if you factor in the, the ammo consumption. Mm-hmm. This only decreases the, the accuracy requirement uh, from 36% down to 33%. So kind of less of a spread mm-hmm. um, with the flat line, but seriously impacts that time to kill. And I will say between these two, before you keep going, just like the slight difference in the actual anvil on here is you're going to feel a bit more of a bullet drop on the flat line with the anvil than you do with the R301. No doubt. No doubt about it. But what does the anvil allow you to really do? So I think it's not a stretch to say that these two are the most solid weapons in the game. Consistent. Like not only is the damage profile, the handling, it's all, it's all solid but they have the largest amount of attachments and the highest likelihood of finding the right attachments. Mm -hmm. So these ARs are really fantastic bets for medium to close range combat. And that anvil expands that effective range to compete with snipers and DMRs. We honestly thought that anvil was not coming back to the game once it was removed a while back. And because of that increased versatility that it just offers it, you know, you're going to talk about maybe it's comparison to the G7, but we were like, wow, why would you have this gun in here? Because that gives me a lot less of a reason, it feels like, to pick up that G7 and now 30 uh, 30. Yeah, the Anvil coming back in this season at this time was definitely a siren for us that this is a longer range meta this mm-hmm. season. Get ready for it uh, because your enemies are going to be using it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you kind of brought up a good point. Does the anvil on the R301 replace the G7? And the answer is that it absolutely can. Um, That allows you to run two fully automatic weapons in order to be more confident in close quarters and have the highest effectiveness with something like the R400, loadout, the R301, and the R99. Mm -hmm. But to look at the G7, give it its props as we do, Mm -hmm. body damage of 34, 20 round mag, accuracy to knock someone with purple is 6 out of 20 shots or 30%. So the G7 is better, like without a doubt, than the R301 with the anvil. But it's not, it's not really about that. Mm-hmm. What it is about is, and we're not going to get into time to kill today because the anvil isn't really meant to replace that 30-30 or the G7. Mm-hmm. But what it does allow you to do is to compete with them and be more effective and efficient, which really opens up your possibilities to be more free in your loadout, which I think gives you incredible power. Definitely. Now, the turbocharger. Again, this has been a long time uh, hop-up. It's been in and out before. Mm -hmm. Now it's here. It removes the delay to fire or instantly increases a weapon's rate of fire so it reaches the maximum faster for the Havoc and Devotion. What's it do on the Havoc? 
Havoc's got 18 damage to the body, quite high. In order to knock someone with purple, got to hit 12 out of a 36 maximum mag, 33% accurate. The impact of the turbocharger, normally it has a time to kill of 1.8 seconds, which is quite long. With the turbocharger, that's dropped down to 1.34 seconds, which is very good. Mm-hmm. It decreases that spin-up time, which is vital. I think that charge-up, I think, is the, is the cause of a lot of deaths. Definitely. And so the turbocharger, I think, definitely aims to eliminate or at least decrease that uh, for a lot of players. Mm-hmm. But now, how does that time to kill with the turbocharger stack up against other ARs? I think the most fair comparison, uh, given the recoil pattern of the Havoc and the damage profile, is the Flatline. This is kind of unfortunate for the Havoc, but mm-hmm. really, Flatline has 19 body damage, one above the Havoc, so they're both pretty high powered. You have to hit 11 out of 30 shots, so it has a smaller mag, but you have to hit one less shots. 36% accurate. You have to be a little more accurate with the flatline, but the base time to kill is 1.34 seconds. Mm-hmm. The Havoc and the flatline have the same time to kill only when the Havoc has the turbocharger. Has a gold hop up. It's a very, very hard thing to say that, okay, the Havoc's a really strong weapon, or even that the turbocharger is really strong when it only brings it in line with other ARs. It's a really tough case. But the Devotion, I think, is more interesting. Very. Devotion, 16 body damage, have to only be 27% accurate. Huge difference from something like 36. Time to kill without the turbocharger is 1.7 seconds. With the turbocharger, it's 1.38 seconds, which, in comparison to the Havoc of the Flatline, might not impress you. But given the mag size of 48, that's a big deal. The Spitfire, time to kill, is one and a half seconds with an accuracy of 20%. So you have to be less accurate with the Spitfire. It's a little easier to use. A um, little more damage at 19 to the body instead of 16. But the Devotion has a faster time to kill by quite a lot. Mm-hmm. More like 0.12 seconds, quite a lot. So the Devotion really shreds, but it only competes when it has the turbocharger. And this is really interesting. That's what's crazy about it. So to kind of recap, quickly this is a very interesting case specifically with the turbocharger because it means that the havoc is a competitor in the ar class if it has the turbocharger but it's still outclassed in range turbo gives it you know it has solid uh the accuracy requirement time to kill just only barely competes with uh, the other ars bottom line the havoc needs the turbocharger if it has it it only competes we can't really say that it dominates the other ARs mm-hmm. or even the submachine guns, the SMGs. I think it kind of more so competes with them, but we can't really say that it does because it needs this gold hop up. Havoc's in a tough spot right now. It truly is. But the Devotion is a lot more interesting because it's harder to use in the Spitfire, but with the turbocharger, the time to kill coupled with the accuracy destroys all other LMGs and ARs. You do not want to be up and close and personal against the Devotion if you have an assault rifle. But everybody probably already knows that. (laughs) Um, The turbocharger is like enclosing, makes weapons uh, a lot more competitive when it has them. Uh, But without it, uh, they're not super strong in their class. And while they can still be quite good, um, it kind of requires that gold hop up. So 
does that make it the best top up in the game right now? It's a tough question. I think you, I, I personally, I'm looking at the turbo versus the anvil as that quote unquote best top up. And I think then you are comparing two things that are very different. You're saying versatility versus with kind of like a power boost and what's more valuable. And so consistently, I will lean towards the anvil being more impactful overall. But if I have that devotion with the turbocharger, that's probably the best combo out of anything, if that makes sense. I tried to give a give and take answer. <laughs> I think that does make sense. And I would agree with you that I do lean towards the anvil mm-hmm. um, just because it gives you more flexibility and everyone loves the R3. And a lot of people are getting warm on the flat line. So it's like they're already pretty decent guns mm-hmm. by themselves without the hop up. And so the fact that people are already running it kind of makes it so the anvil is going to be better because mm-hmm. it elevates the weapon. I don't know if a lot of people are running uh, the Havoc. Or instance, Devotion. Or the Devotion for mm-hmm. that matter. So makes it a little tough to say that's really the dominant. What I will say to play Devil's Advocate is say you have a Devotion, you have the Turbocharger. Mm-hmm. You know you have a solid weapon. Yes. And you can still have the G7. So that's an excellent loadout. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need the Anvil in order to have that range. But if you feel more comfortable with having two fully automatic weapons, then I do not fault you for that. And I think that's excellent. I think you're probably going to win more games. And the Anvil is really great. I didn't mention it when we kind of were focusing on it, but I think the Anvil is probably the best top up in the game. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. But I love how it's balanced. Like double the ammo capacity. Balanced incredibly makes well. It, like, wow, that that doesn't outperform the G7. Mm-hmm. Like the MG7's better. The 3030 could be better, but it's still good enough to use. It is quite, quite good. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy using it. And I think that the power it gives with its punch and the new freedom definitely make it best in class. Let's wrap it up now with some five-star questions. If you want your question answered on the podcast, leave it in the form of a five-star review and we will get to it. The first one from today being from The Falcon. I've been listening for a few months now and absolutely love what you guys do. I listen to you guys on my drive to and from work. I'm a Lifeline Caustic Horizon main. Super excited to hear her interview. Normally run a Hemlock slash G7 and Sentinel. I can consistently get 140 damage with the Sentinel and would love to see some more love for it. I believe it's the closest to a Kraber. I've been picking up more nades and found the love for the G7 because of you guys. If you could have a Legends kit in real life, who would you pick? Fall damage does apply, and the Dome Shield is soundproof. Good life uh, life rules there. Thanks so much for the review. Thank you. Great update. I'm glad you're getting some great tips. More nades, more G7. Love it. Um, Legend kit in real life. It'd be um, tough. We could definitely use that bubble for soundproofing, though. So do I have to be the legend, or can I just be me I with the abilities? I think you are just you with okay. the abilities. Because then I kind of like Pathfinder, but I don't want to be a robot. That's fair. I think that's um, a really good one. A grapple would be pretty dang fun, but it's kind of out there. You mm-hmm. know, can't really go to parties and be launching zip lines. It'd be kind of fun uh, to be able to enter a different dimension as a wraith as well. Honestly, my first answer, though, was... I want to make decoys of myself and just mess with people all the time. <laughs> it would be pretty awesome. Uh, it just oh, is, you know, Loba. Loba, get that money. Get that money. Yes. Wow. That's my new answer. Just broke the, broke the system. Next question. Coming from Odin. My question is about something you guys talked about when it comes to Lifeline's tweak. What would you believe the ultimate would become? Should it be a mass res or more like a passive ability? 
That's a great question. You know, Lifeline's tweak to the Ultimate that we might be seeing soon is an interesting one. Um, I think they've tried out a lot of things to kind of experiment. We always thought that Dummy's Big Day one with kind of the team heal thing, but then it also at the same time healing enemies that are in the circle as well was kind of that like the balanced attempt at doing it. I don't think they're going to give you like a mass res ultimate or something. I think if there is a significant change to that in a power structure, it will be more so about supplying automatic health to your teammates or maybe fast heals temporarily for a short amount of time, something like that. Yeah, I'm very curious because multiple developers have now said that they're really looking at this and they want to decrease the power of her passive uh, and increase the power of her ultimate. So. Mm -hmm. I really wonder what that looks like. I I will miss the care package on King's Canyon, um, but I wonder what they could do. You know, this idea of having maybe temporary fast heals mm-hmm. for you or the whole team, kind of have a have a bloodhound ultimate or has a timer. Yep. I could mess with that idea a little bit. That'd be fun. Hopefully we find out next week. And last question coming from FTC. Will you start using a face cam on your live streams on YouTube now that you have your faces revealed? Thanks. Great pod. Excellent question. Thanks for being on us. Um, we're working on some stuff for the stream. Um, we would like to do some sort of face cam thing. It's taken a little bit of a technical hurdle, but it's something on our list. And we're also looking at the potential of us wanting to create a good stream environment and something that we can consistently do. You know, Henry and I are living together right now. That might not be the case in half a year and such, and we don't plan on stopping the podcast anytime soon. And so the last thing we really want to do is set up an awesome stream that we can only do if we're in the same room together and then live in different cities. And so we're trying to figure out the hurdles and we have some ideas. We'll keep you posted and stay tuned on Instagram, Twitter and stuff for getting your guys' feedback, especially people on Patreon as well for that. That wraps up our episode, though. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to our YouTube channel, The Third Party Podcast, and stop by our weekly stream. Check out the Discord via link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to The Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey, now. Another squad coming in. Boom. Whole squad down. Yeah, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.